Welcome to Revoicing the Future, a Women of NAM podcast. I am your host, Natalie Morrison. Just as one revoices a chord, Revoicing the Future creates a completely new perspective on the invaluable notes that make up the whole. It will uplift women's voices in the music products industry, which have earned their time to be the root of the chord. Once a month, you can catch productive and valuable conversations with women working in manufacturing, retail, the nonprofit sector, music education, touring, and overall women who inspire us. Without further ado, let's get started. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Revoicing the Future. I'm your host, Natalie Morrison. Thank you for tuning in as always. And I have an update. It's very exciting. I recently got back from attending the Women of NAM Leadership Summit out in California at the NAM headquarters. I got to spend four days with 16 other women, and I'm still riding this high, so I thought this would be the perfect time to record this episode intro. If any of you have been around for a little bit, you might remember that I interviewed Dr. Jen Hall last year, I think, about her role as an executive coach and the Leadership Summit as a way to encourage more people to apply what they could expect, all the basic information. When she described it to me, initially, I was super fascinated and excited to one day when I felt ready, apply. On the last day of the summit, Jen asked me, Natalie, now that you've experienced it, is it anything like I described? I immediately said no. It was even better. And I really believe that. What I will also say is that my life is changed because of it. And I don't say that lightly. Those words are the truth. And like anything, you don't know what you're getting yourself into until you actually do it. But what I can say without spilling any of the secrets, because sometimes you need a little mystery to lure more people to want to participate, is that. The connections you make within these three days are friendships that will last a lifetime. You'll leave with a support system you never knew you needed. The summit is a way for you to invest in yourself personally and professionally. I walked away with new skills, a better understanding of my strengths, my leadership style, and so much more. Now, if this doesn't convince you to apply next year, then I have no idea what's going to. I want to personally give a shout out to the founders, Dee Dee, Robin, and Crystal, who had this vision to create this immersive experience. I also want to thank the current Women of NAM leadership, Lisa, Morgan, and Julie, for continuing to offer this experience for women in our industry. And I want to thank NAM for opening their facility to us and giving us a chance to learn more about the world of music products. And finally, Dr. Jen Hall. Thank you for providing us a safe space and opening our eyes to our full potential as leaders and future leaders. I am so grateful to you. And I know so many of the other women who have gone through the summit also agree with that sentiment. I also need to thank the women that I attended this summit with. You know who you are. And I'm so grateful and thankful that each of you are in 
my life now and my life has been changed for good now that you're in it. Okay, I'm done being sappy. Anyway, if this all sounds great, good, and dandy and you want to learn more about the summit and stay up to date with application announcements, etc., please visit nam.org backslash women of nam or follow us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. You know the drill. Now, I'm so excited to bring an episode to you from across the pond. Yes, we are traveling all the way to London for today's episode, and I got to speak with Heather Farr Edwards, the Director of Brand and Communications at Reverb, and we did this virtually. I did not actually travel across the pond to London. Now, I would really love to travel across the pond to London, but this is in fact very virtual. (laughs) Heather's amazing. We talked about her journey in becoming a PR professional, her determination and passion for wanting to work in the industry, tips and tricks of the trade she's learned, and so much more. Now, fair warning, because we had to record this when the time zone was convenient for both of us. We recorded bright and early for me at eight o'clock in the morning. (laughs) So with that, I leave you to enjoy the episode, but don't worry, we'll be back next month for more. So for now, see you later. Ta-ta for now. Hi, Heather. Welcome to the podcast. Joining us all the way from London. We're so excited to have you. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. So I want to dive in because you just have a really interesting journey in the music industry. And I would love for you to give us a trajectory of how you got to where you are today. Tell us your professional story. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people start like this, but music has always been a really big part of my life as early as very small. Uh, My dad used to sit me down and like, you know, play songs and make me tell him who the band was, which makes me really good at a pub quiz. But (laughs) that's a story for another day. (laughs) I was in band, I was in, you know, school musicals, but I would say probably the the turning point for me was when I was uh, introduced at a young, impressionable age to Relics Magazine, which is a live music magazine now, but uh, started out as a newsletter for Grateful Dead fans who were exchanging concert tapes. Um, So it is pretty old, that magazine. So I started reading it when I was, you know, 14 or 15. And I think it's safe to say that I was obsessed uh, with it. I was, you know, reading it from cover to cover uh, at that time. This is going to date me a little bit. There was a CD inside everyone. And so, you know, I would listen to to every track on the CD. And so when I got to high school, I decided I must intern for this magazine. So I drafted up this email. I put a like Grateful Dead song in the subject line. And <laughs> I emailed the editor. And then the next day, copy paste, new song in the email subject line, hit send again. I did that uh, every day for about two 
about two weeks. Um, you know, I just assumed that the editor was getting millions of emails a day and I'm sure she was getting a lot, but, uh, my approach I think was a little aggressive. And now as a professionally trained PR person, I I wouldn't recommend. I know I'm sitting here and I'm like cringing. Just (laughs) (laughs) no, 18 year old Heather in this instance, it did work. So she responded and she said, chill out. You're in high school. Uh, She didn't actually say that. She was very kind and lovely, but she basically said, you know, give us a call when you're in college. And so uh, I did. I went with my family to New York the summer after my freshman year of college. My sister was living there at the time and went into the Relics office with like the saddest looking resume you've ever seen. Like, I don't even know what was on it at that point in my life. And for some reason, they said, sounds good. See you next summer. So that was my first internship. And I mean, where I learned so much about writing, I mean, so much red ink on the first uh, drafts of things that I was submitting at that time, learned about the music industry, even got the opportunity to do some work on the side, helping out the tour manager for Bob Weir of the Grateful Dead. So just invaluable experience all around. Sometime after that, though, I switched my major to public relations. And at that point, I really set my sights on just getting as much PR and comms experience any way I could. So, you know, for example, I worked for my school's study abroad office. I did a media course and internship in Zambia. I worked for a global PR firm supporting a chemical company's sponsorship of the London Olympics. And then my first two full-time jobs at a college were um, at a mid-sized PR firm and then a, a much bigger PR firm, working mostly for B2B and tech clients at both of those companies. And all throughout that time, I kept in touch with Relic. So freelancing, jumping in to help at music festivals. So in 2016, Reverb was looking for someone to start and run their in-house PR program. And I don't know if this is how it happened, but I imagine that the head of talent at that time was on LinkedIn doing some searching and some magical combination allowed me to pop up because of my PR and my music experience. And yeah, the rest, I guess, is history. As they say, I spent um, a few years building out the PR program as a team of one and then have since had the opportunity to expand my role and my team pretty significantly. So that's amazing. I love how you were so determined to get yourself to where you are. You wanted to dive into PR and like really get that solid. And your first two jobs weren't even in the music industry, you were doing B2B tech. So Mm -hmm. if you can do PR for that, like you're set. (laughs) Ain't it the truth? Ain't it the truth? So I did some homework and I listened to an interview that you did at the NAMM show. I think it was the careers in music panel. And you spoke about having the mindset that your first job out of college doesn't have to be your dream job. So can you talk about how you were able to get over that hurdle and pressure that so many people leaving college or recent graduates put on themselves to get like the best job they could find out of college? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, everything really changed for me the moment I stopped worrying so much about what the exact title is or even 
the company or the industry to an extent and really started looking um, at my earlier experiences as learning opportunities. So um, I'll give you an example. Uh, The summer after my junior year of college, I interned at this PR firm that specializes in financial service clients. So banks, consulting firms, all the fun companies that you, you know, dream of working for. Um, (laughs) At that time, uh, you know, I knew that the financial services industry wasn't something I was super passionate about. But I mean, wow, did that have an impact on my career? I think aside from just the baseline PR skills, I learned from all of the incredibly smart people there. Um, I mean, you know, you said it yourself, if you, if you can do PR for these companies, you can eventually do it for, uh, for anything. But first, one of my superiors at this agency switched agency shortly thereafter. And the next summer helped me get an internship at her new agency. Oh, wow. So that's, you know, kind of connection point number one. Uh, separately, when I interviewed for my first full-time job, which was just totally a cold interview. I didn't really have anybody internally to vouch for me there. It was one of my um, successes from that financial services agency that I think really sealed the deal and helped me get that job. They saw like a really clear line between something I was working on at that firm and then the clients that they were thinking I would work on there. So did I want a career in financial service communications? No, but uh, the skills I learned and the people I met were all really important parts of getting me to where I eventually wanted to be. That's awesome. It really is all about networking and like who you know, and then the reputation that you then build for yourself to help kind of push you through a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So what advice do you have for women, since this is a women in music podcast, looking to progress in their careers? Is there any tactical advice that helped you along the way as you evolved through your career? Yeah, I mean, of course, so much. I would say probably one of the most important pieces of advice that I received and so simple is just to keep a kudos folder in your email or on your desktop or even if it's a Google Doc, I mean, however you keep your own notes. I think especially if you're comfortable in your current role and you're not necessarily job searching, I think it can be really easy to get sort of swept up in just the everyday work and kind of forget to stop and take stock of all your successes. And, you know, I think it's super important to have people who can vouch for you. But at the end of the day, you're really your biggest advocate. So having that information in your back pocket, I think is super helpful. And I mean, there have been several times in my career where I've had to kind of speak up and say, you know, hey, I noticed that I wasn't invited to this meeting or considered for this project. And here are all the reasons why I think that I should be. It's an approach to take in every instance, but it's worked for me a couple of times. And second, I think this relates to what I was saying before, never stop learning, regardless of what part of your career you're in. I think whether that's through you know, educational opportunities offered through your company. We have a ton, uh, luckily, at Reverb or better yet, through 
just the really smart people that are around you. At the PR agency that I was working at before I came to Reverb, I made it a point to set two meetings a month with people in other departments just to kind of ask them about their work and their experiences. And I mean, I learned from brand marketers who'd spent years at some of the most well-known brands, uh, media professionals who'd spent decades at some of the biggest news outlets and, and a lot more. And the craziest part is that more than one time I was told, you're the first person outside of my team that's ever set up a meeting like this just to chat. And I'm looking around like, do we all not see the resources that are right here? Like we have this branding genius that's two floors up. So, you know, I think big company, small company, everything in between, just look around and see who you can learn from. Cause I think there's always somebody. Totally. I love that. Wow. I wrote that kudos folder down. (laughs) That's so smart. Yeah, I've had it at every job I've been in. Now I kind of keep things in a Google Doc. Now I do it with my own direct reports as well. But I mean, I don't know. I've definitely had like periods of time where, you know, it's it's easy for a whole year to go by. <laughs> and then you're kind of like, well, I know that I know things were good, but you know, the specific moments. And I think it's everything from projects down to just like you know, compliments and things that you're receiving. I think it's practical, but also like if you're having a bad day, you know, sometimes I just peek at the kudos folder and I'm like, you're doing okay. (laughs) I know I got a message from someone that I work with and she lives in Spain. Shout out to Julia if she's listening to this, but she sent me like the longest message that was like, you're doing great. And I was like, wow, I really need to hear this today. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's so nice to have like those moments. And then like you can then look back and feel like, oh, I'm actually doing something right. All right. Like, cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess the other side of that um, that I hadn't thought about is making sure to document for other people that you're working with the good things that they're doing. Because I mean, you know, some people are more verbal and maybe you do it in Slack or maybe you... Um, do it on calls or other ways, but like just like a formal email like that. Something about it is is yeah. powerful, especially when it comes very randomly, and you're like, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It could turn the tra- the whole trajectory exactly. So, I want to dive into a little bit on your day to day life at Reverb because Reverb is such a fascinating business. So. How would you describe what you do as a director for brand and communications? I would say anytime that you hear or read about Reverb, whether it's internally or externally, there's a pretty good chance that my team, which is the brand and communications team, had something to do with it. So in general, I would say we really help tell stories and forge partnerships that help highlight why Reverb is the best place to buy and sell gear online. A day in the life is a little little tough, but maybe it it would help to kind of explain the structure of my team. So in total, at this moment in time, branded communications at Reverb includes brand strategy and messaging. So everything from campaign conception to copywriting influencer marketing and artist relations. So as an example, 
we just launched a couple of weeks ago the official Modest Mouse Reverb Shop. So that is largely produced by my team in partnership with others. Organic social media. This is the part where I say to go follow Reverb on TikTok if you're not already. (laughs) Public relations, employee communications, and then uh, social impact, which includes our Reverb Gives program where we help youth music education programs get music gear for their program. So as you can imagine, every day is a little bit different, but um, luckily I have a team of really smart and creative people to help tell these stories. And some of my team is musicians. Some of them are just uh, fans, but I think all are just really happy to get to do what we do every day. And that makes it really fun and, and fulfilling. Oh, that's awesome. And then you oversee all of that. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's so exciting. Yeah, just just a little bit of responsibility. Just a little bit. (laughs) I'm someone who likes to have my hand in a million baskets at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I feel like you're very similar in that way because it's like never boring, which is... Uh Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. What do you love about working in communications? Yeah, I mean, you really just said it there. I mean, it's a lot of context shifting, but I think that those of us who get into PR or communications do so because we like that. I also just really love storytelling. I went to journalism school and I think whether you're a journalist or whether you're writing books or whether you're working in marketing communications, it's all storytelling at the end of the day. And I think it's really easy to love communications when you work in an industry like ours. I mean, we're getting to tell these really great, impactful stories about the tools people are using to make our favorite songs and the small businesses that are really making the industry run and the builders who are creating the instruments that are making all of this music possible. But I think even when I wasn't in the MI industry and was working with, you know, arguably maybe less exciting uh, clients, depending on who you are. Um, It was a fun challenge, you know, to take what it is a company wants to say, consider the audience they want to say it to and sort of what they're trying to get that audience to do. And then to find that sweet spot in the middle that exists between the two. And, you know, along the way you get to really learn a lot about a lot of, um, different topics. And I think that, um, that never really stops, whether it's learning about the specific subject matter you're working on or, uh, learning about the social media platforms and their algorithm that changes, you know, seemingly every five seconds. So, um, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, to, I guess to, to go back to kind of where we started, it's, it's definitely never boring. (laughs) Totally. What was it like for you? Because when you started at Reverb, you were a one woman show. So what was that time period like? And then how did you transition into delegating and building a team? Yeah, I mean, it has been interesting to kind of have both of those uh, worlds. So going from being a one woman team to now having a team of 10. I imagine this is something that 
a lot of people experience when they're in a similar transition. I mean, when you are an individual contributor, your success is based on your output and you're getting rewarded for the good things that you are doing. When you start to expand your team, you kind of start to give away pieces of things that you're working on, or maybe you add things to the broader plate, but your role kind of, you know, steps back a little bit from the actual execution. And I think for a lot of highly functioning professionals, uh, sometimes that can be a little jarring to go from being the person who's creating the output to letting the output be created by folks who are on your team and kind of serving as more of an advisory role and and really being open to, you know, things not maybe being done exactly the same way that you would do them, but are getting similarly positive results. It's a really humbling (laughs) experience, I would say, but... But again, I mean, you really get to learn a lot in that sense. So, I mean, there was, I wish I had it in front of me. There's one article that my boss had sent to me kind of in the beginning of my journey of managing a bigger team. I'm sure you could, anybody listening could Google it. It's about giving away your Legos. And it was all about how when you're in, especially if you're in a really quick growing company like Reverb was and is, you have all these Legos and everybody has Legos and every, I'm paraphrasing this point of it was, you know, you can give them away and then there are going to be other things that you can go build. So like by giving parts of the work away, doesn't mean that you don't have the work to do anymore. There's always going to be more things that you can do. And I think once you realize that you can grow as a professional much quicker and really expand what it is that you're able to do. So I would highly recommend looking that up. It's a good read. Yeah. I'll find it and put it in the description. So that sounds really interesting. I'm going to find that one. As we've been talking, obviously you're helping to build the PR program at Reverb, which is interesting because this the industry that we currently work in, it's not like we work in like the bigger side of the music industry where they have these like massive PR teams for some of these companies. So what was it like transitioning from an agency to working for a company in this industry? To be honest with you, it was a little bit of a shock. I was coming from one of the biggest PR agencies in the world. And so just the resources there were endless, the learning resources. So I went from, you know, an environment where everybody I was working with was essentially doing the same thing. We were doing some facet of comms. um, And and while a lot sits within comms, I mean, it it was still a, a decent amount of context shifting there. There were so many other professionals you could get advice from, you know, if you had a client who came to you and said, hey, we want to do this. You could send out an email and get three strategies sent back to you of like, here's how we did it with these other clients. So the the resources felt very endless. And so to come to an environment where the overall company and team was smaller, but specifically where I was the solo PR expert, it was... A little scary at first, but I mean, I think that 
you find ways or, or I at least tried to find ways to kind of build that support network just in a different way. So understanding who the people within the company were that I really needed to spend some time with to get more information, finding external professional networks. It wasn't really something I had done too much of at the PR agency, because like I said, I really just had this kind of built-in professional network. So I got more active in kind of varying levels of like PR uh, professional groups or media relations, cross-company groups, Um, even an organization like NAM as well. I remember like trying to find people who had the same title as me and just reaching out on LinkedIn and people are typically very uh, generous with their with their time, I would say. So that was the biggest, I would say, transition, but I was able to kind of get what I needed. It just looked a little different and maybe took a little bit more effort on, on my end, but all to a, a similar good result, I would say. <laughs> totally. What's it like working for Reverb? Because it's a music store, but it's also sort of a tech startup. A couple of years ago, we had a group of summer interns and they made like a, what's it like working at Reverb video? And my PR intern at the time was involved. So I uh, got interviewed for the video and like my my quote from there that kind of follows me <laughs> around <laughs> reverb is because it opened up the video. So like it was, it was really hard to miss the quote, but was, you know, reverb is the dream job that I didn't know that I wanted. I mean, I think that, I think that that's because it is so unique. We do sit in this really interesting spot between two really, um, fast-changing and interesting industries, the musical instrument industry and the the tech industry. And so that um, just adds a lot of great layers. I would say too, as a marketplace, we really get to work with so many wonderful sides of the industry and, and wonderful characters. I mean, we have the, the buyers who range from uh, well-known musicians to hobbyists, we have the sellers, which range from Modest Mouse all the way down to your Main Street music store, the builders and the brands. And then I mentioned my team gets to work with a good deal of, of nonprofits as well. And I mean, I would say after working on the B2B tech side, which is certainly an important industry, it's really gratifying to work at a company that is providing, you know, not only a much needed service, but a website and an app that people really love. I mean, I remember going to my first NAM and I was wearing like a reverb staff shirt and people were, you know, almost shaking me by the shoulders. (laughs) Like they wanted to show me the app on their phone or they wanted to tell me what they just bought or they wanted to tell me how they sold something and that enabled them to buy something else. And yeah, it's, it's really gratifying. It's a big responsibility too, you know, thinking about 
not only the businesses, but the people who are kind of using the platform to maybe support themselves on the side or more likely using the site so that they can kind of change up the instruments that they have available to them. I mean, instruments are, in the grand scheme of things, quite expensive. And I think to have the opportunity to, you know, say you're a guitar player, you have a handful of guitars, you have some pedals, some amps, and you want to try out different things, sell it on Reverb, buy a new one, sell it, buy a new one. And giving people that creative freedom, I think is really gratifying. So yeah, I love it. Yay. (laughs) So I want to end on a little fun note, are you still writing on the side for Relics? Yeah. Yeah, I think going on a lot of years now. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have like a favorite show or project that you've written about with them? Yeah, I mean, there's so many. Recently, here in London, actually, I did a show review of The Black Pumas came, played in... Camden. And it was, I mean, it was really special because it was one of the first kind of proper indoor shows since the pandemic had started that I had gotten Mm. the opportunity to go to and had a decent amount of anxiety around it. (laughs) It's just like being back in that space again. But once I kind of got over that, I mean, I remember at one point they covered like a Tracy Chapman song and I'm like, am I going to (laughs) cry? Like, you know, like just that feeling of like being and listening to music with other people. Like I, I had forgotten, you know, how much I had missed that. And I hadn't really gotten the opportunity up until that point to um to experience that in London so that one was was really special and it's always great I think I love writing for relics aside from like the perks of getting to go to shows and I mean they've sent me to Bonnaroo multiple times um, and I'm forever grateful for that but it's really good I think just to kind of get out of my regular I'm not doing as much long form or maybe much at all long form writing um, in my role at Reverb. And so to get to, you know, sort of practice a different type of writing, I think ultimately, you know, hopefully makes me a better writer in my day job as well. So yeah, I'll keep doing it as long as they will let me. (laughs) I love that. It's like another outlet for you to just kind of let loose in a sense, which is always very nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it really requires like, I remember maybe before interning going into a little bit naive in terms of what all went into it. But I mean, it's obviously going to the show. And when I was like younger, I used to take notes in like a a notepad. Now I do it on my phone. I think people think I'm texting, which uh, is like a whole nother, uh, a whole nother story. But aside from just like kind of being super observant and like taking notes uh, for like a show review, there's a ton of research that goes into it. I mean, even if you think you know quite a bit about a band, understanding the nuances of like why the way they played something differently was important or why a specific song was important because maybe it was written with a bandmate who has you know since passed away or like all of those different elements that come along with it it can be a really challenging uh exercise but again i think super helpful to the overall craft of writing it's amazing well heather thank you so much for taking the time to 
chat with me and tell your story to our listeners. So grateful for you and the wisdom that you've shared today. Of course. Well, thank you for having me. This was fun. Thanks, Heather. Thanks for listening to this episode of Revoicing the Future. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major streaming platforms or visit our website. Be sure to follow us on social media to stay up to date on all things Women of NAM. This episode was co-produced and edited by Natalie Morrison, Stephanie Labond, and Julia Olson. Together, we can help shape the future of our industry one interval at a time. See you next time.